I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Hello, hello, Seattle, and of course, the Baki Taki crew. This is your host, Stephen, here for the season finale of Baki Hanma, uh, Beyond the Brawn. So we've got a lot of fun stuff in this special call-in episode. We've got a lot of guests. I can see I can see some uh, numbers and uh, lights lighting up my board. Um, I'm just signaling right now to Roz to um, keep them on hold for a minute longer. Uh, just because I wanted to uh, quickly go through some housekeeping for the show. Um, feel free to skip this if you want to get to the fun part. Um, <laughs> but for all you boring people, or people whose hands are busy doing other stuff, um, basically, uh, I just wanted, I was originally going to do a bonus episode for this, but then uh, it's been a crazy week. Um, this is the last episode of Baki Hanma. So, what is happening to the podcast now? The good news is, and <laughs> this was a rather recent announcement, I, th- I thought I was going to have a nice break. Um, Baki's coming back on July 26th. Um, there's going to be a season, and then it's going to come back a few weeks later with another season in August. So um, I'm going to be taking a break from the podcast because there are no episodes left to cover, (laughs) Um, but I'm going to try and come back uh, July 26th. Um, Not same day or anything like that, but we'll uh, drop on the first Monday afterwards. Um, And I can... I can tell you I'm excited for the uh, pickle arc that's coming, and uh, we're going to get through that. Now, the father-son arc that comes afterwards, um, we're just going to have to wait and see. (laughs) Um, uh, We've got some fun things going on in my life. Um, (laughs) We might have a a, a new child um, before we can finish um, all the episodes of the father-son arc. And um, that's assuming that I'm able to keep up this uh, volume of podcasting um, while my wife is going through uh, the later months of pregnancy. So um, that's going to be our stretch goal <laughs> and my primary focus during the, um, the pregnancy. But uh, that's where we're at with the podcast. Uh, the Pickle Saga will 100% happen. You've uh, got that uh, in writing. Um, or even better than writing audio, the true binding contract, um, and the father-son saga. We will see. Um, worst case scenario is that it's just going to take longer. Um, I'm going to get this done, uh, but who, you know, <laughs> this is me saying this without a kid. Um, uh, also, who knows? Maybe maybe the podcast has a bit more ambient background noise in the future. Uh, who knows? We'll find out. Um, also next season, I keep forgetting to set it up, but I bought a new mic uh, from the Humane Society. Um, long story there. I don't even know if it's better than this mic. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'll sound different when we come back. Yeah, that was mostly what I wanted to cover. Uh, I did also want to give some suggestions on podcasts that you can listen to uh, while we're taking a break. Um, of course, The Daily with Michael Barbaro. With a week to go before the U.S. is expected to default on its debt, we look at the state of the negotiations to lift the debt ceiling. I'm Michael Babara, and if you can listen to me speak like this all day, I've got the podcast for you. It's not the best podcast. Um, it's It doesn't even really have a high success rate, but it's the only one that I know of that it comes out every day. 
Um, and so, you know, if you listen to it once a week, like other podcasts, there's a good chance that the top seventh percentile of it is pretty good. Um, the Sunday episodes are usually the best. Uh, this American Life, the best podcast, probably pound for pound on the platform. And by the platform, I mean uh, podcast podcast.com what am i gonna say uh the apple bot there, there is no platform just the world <laughs> um now, now those are pretty standard uh podcasts out there uh i'm gonna throw it to uh sort of off-ball ones um that were sort of large inspirations for this show um the first is hollywood handbook um i think it's an impossible podcast to describe it's comedy i guess that's that's a good way to do it um it's it's the most satirical ironic with a complete lack of sincerity um (laughs) and it'll tell you how to succeed in hollywood um maybe i'll find a clip to put in there but (laughs) to be honest i probably won't because it's tough but um it's worth a shot if you're looking for a comedy podcast in the meantime as well yeah so we i want to talk about kevin busting like a little bit yeah kevin in order to save Tri-Month, did propose to his girlfriend, now fiance. Um, but the true inspiration for this podcast, um, and it's very niche, but if it's your niche, then I highly recommend it. Um, Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work. Um, this is what made me realize I could get into podcasting. It is the lead designer of Magic the Gathering, uh, driving to work every day and recording a podcast at the same time. Uh, if you ever thought, <laughs> you know, I edit this podcast. I don't know if I'm great at it, but there's no editing in this. If he messes up, he has to do it again on his next drive. So if you ever wanted a podcast where a guy tells you that he's going to be turning left and then you have to wait for that to happen, um, this is, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I'm pulling out of the gas station. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. And uh, when I got in my car today... I realized that I uh, didn't have enough gas to make it to work. Um, And once before in the podcast, I've actually gotten gas during the podcast, and it went horribly. Uh, So I decided today I would start at the gas station, which is close. Anyway, enough rambling. This episode is so incredible that I knew I couldn't just have one guest. I couldn't even have a duo guest episode, as we've loved to do this season. Um, So I put out a call to a bunch of previous guests, and uh, that's how this call-in show is going to work. We're going to get... I asked them all to focus on a specific part of the episode and basically just get their thoughts. Um, But I realized before we do that, so we're not jumping all over the place, um, I should give a recap of what happens in this episode. So... uh, a little more talking from me, but uh, now we're in the fun part. Fun part, fans. You can stop scrolling now. Anyway. Uh, so this is the confrontation. Uh, it's continued from last time, Baki versus Oliver. Um, last time, Oliver had some secret weapon that he was going to use against Baki, and we find out what it is today. It is the ball formation. This is where Oliver sort of turns his body into a human ball of muscle. He he's rolled himself up into a ball. I was stunned. A human being had transformed himself into a perfect sphere. It was like that one animal. You know what I mean? What is it called? An armadillo. Uh, if it looks... Um, if it sounds silly, it sort of looks silly, but it also looks pretty intimidating for a man turning into a sphere. 
Um, Pocky tries to punch the sphere. Doesn't work. Then he goes, oh, what if I tried punching it harder? Still doesn't work. And Oliver actually swallows Baki into the sphere. This already unbelievable battle took an even more unbelievable turn. Oliver basically swallowed a whole person. I've never watched the movie Sphere. I've heard it's pretty scary. I can't imagine it's more scary than the idea of being swallowed into uh, Mr. Oliver's muscle sphere. Um, Baki looks pretty shaken up. Um, he gets spit out. By the way, this whole episode's narrated, I believe, by Officer Bob McCarthy, um, but it's, it's just a random officer in the jail. Um, Baki is spit out, and then he gets up and he goes, why are we doing these stupid tricks? You know, last time I was moving faster than human thought. This time you turned into a ball. Like, why do we do this? Why don't we just punch each other in the face until, <laughs> until we're done? Uh, which is fun. And this is where, you know, this is my little soapbox corner. I, I hate it. <laughs> but Oliver's uh, wonderful thing is that he is so incredibly strong. And he's not really a fighter. He doesn't know any martial arts. He's just stronger than other people. Um, so it, as Mike Tyson, uh, or Iron Michael, yells to Baki, he says, You don't get what the weight difference means! There's a good reason why there are 17 weight classes in boxing! For a middleweight like you, trying to trade punches with Oliver is practically suicide! Even I'd never dare to square up against him! It would be insane! Don't... Don't punch him in the face in a face-punching contest, because you weigh 200 pounds less than him. Uh, you will lose, which which he should. Uh, but, you know, spoiler alert, uh, Baki is able to keep punching, and, you know, this is a great scene. Lots of great punches to the face. Um, but he's able to keep punching Biscuit Oliver. He's able to push him back. Oliver gets in some good hits, too. But eventually Baki is able to knock him out with a sweet headbutt uh, and then break through the prison wall. Before tensions can mount anymore, now that Baki's won, Maria shows up. She's apparently able to walk. Um, she says, you know, let's go back to my room. <laughs> Oliver picks her up. I actually really enjoyed that. Um, they, they'd really set the scene that neither Baki nor uh, Oliver would ever give up. Um, and, you know, the, the big difference between Baki and Oliver is that Oliver doesn't really care because he's got, like, his wonderful uh, girlfriend, Maria. And, you know, once she comes in, that's more important to him than the idea of fighting Baki. Um, uh, you know, this is after he lost, though, so whatever. Uh, the end result is Baki has beaten Oliver. Oliver says, get out of this jail. I can't not be Mr. Number One. Uh, the warden goes, well, what? And then he has to send Baki away. And then, of course, Baki bikes home from jail to the airport uh, back to Japan, where we'll catch up with him next season. Uh, the season then uh, ends with Yujiro and our good friend Gary Stridham. <laughs> Gary with a J. Uh, or Jerry with a G. Who knows? Um, they're walking around a, the Natural History Museum of Japan. Who knows? Um, and he, Gary just keeps saying, like, oh, it's cool how Baki uh, beat Oliver. You'll have to fight him one day, right? And Yujiro's like, whatever. It's like, hey, do you think you could beat this bear? Do you think you could beat a T-Rex? And he just points at every animal. Like, it's literally, like, a conversation you'd have with a four-year-old at the museum. Uh, and Yujiro gets pissed. And then Gary's like, whoa, you know, don't kill me, because that's something you really need to actually be concerned about. 
and then he just asks like hey could you fight a t-rex um <laughs> then the season ends for real as we get teased with pickle who is of course a caveman who is stuck in a salt deposit from 190 million years ago this is i thought that the fact that pickle was fighting dinosaurs was some creationist stuff you know like the earth is six thousand years old humans existed with the dinosaurs i didn't think <laughs> they went the other way that humans existed 190 million years ago that's even more wild um but anyway um pickle he's coming next season and we'll talk a lot about him all right that's the bare bones uh hope you enjoyed that and let's uh, get into the good stuff Caller number one. Let's hear what you got to say. Hey, Steve. Hey, Mike. Let me hear it. Uh, so I thought I would uh, pick a pretty specific topic to to make a little note about from the uh, 12th episode of Baki Hanma. Um, and so I guess I chose to uh, focus in on something that was brought up a few times uh, by Mr. Oliva, specifically that Baki weighs about 200 pounds less than him. And I thought, okay, let's take a look and figure out if Baki is healthy. Uh, and so I figured, okay, let's go figure out what his body fat percentage and BMI would be like. Because, um, you know, if he's 200 pounds less, uh, what does that mean? And also, like, the starting sequence shows that Baki is just over five foot six. Um, although it definitely looks like he's probably like five seven, but I checked and he is exactly five foot six, according to the wiki. The same wiki that thinks George Bush is bigger in Baki than real life. Just another inaccuracy. But anyway, carry on. Um, so I took all this information and I plugged it into some online calculators and he's definitely unhealthy. If you just look at the BMI, he's actually considered overweight. Uh, so Baki's really got some work to do there. But if you then take that and throw it into a body fat calculator, which, uh, you know, you have to add in, I had to make some guesses at how big his waist and neck would be. He's actually at a body fat percentage of about zero to, uh, maybe about 2%. Um, which again still seems unhealthy. So you know, for all the back he does, I think he's got a little bit of work to do to strive to you know really show a better and healthier lifestyle. It's not always just about you know muscle mass and fighting. There's you know the mechanics of your body. He's probably you know very tired all the time from not having enough you know energy stores. So uh, you know I really hope it, it's working out for him that he's going to make some uh, some changes and improvements. Um, anyway, that's what I decided to to drill in on from the last episode of Baki. Uh, I hope this obscure uh, stats is uh, interesting and helpful to someone else. You know, this is my new headcanon. Like, when we see Baki in class, he's at the back, he looks sleepy, snoring. Maybe he is running low on energy. He couldn't even run a, a f- what, 1,200 meters around the, the course when the gym was there. Like, maybe he does just have very low energy. Who knows? All right, next caller. Who do we have on the line? So I've just finished the episode. Truly so, so wild. I couldn't decide where I wanted to begin. But where I would like to really uh, focus on is this scene where Baki is like biking down on an open road after Oliva decides to release him and the helicopter's following him. I just feel like that scene has really big like ending of a teen movie slash coming of age movie energy um and it kind of felt like that would have been a really great place just to stop because it you know would have tied up everything really nicely and i think that that's something that they should have explored because it really does sound like it um like watch just listen 
I was released pretty fast. Like, surprisingly fast. I didn't even have time to grab my socks. I asked him to give me a bike, some food, a bottle of water, and even a little cash. Biscuit Oliver, Mr. Unchained himself, had a request of his own. Well, more like a demand. A helicopter escort to the airport to make sure I got on the plane and left. And that summer was the start of the rest of our lives. Cozaway and I were inseparable. We'd stay up all night talking on the phone. Well, I talk at her on the phone. And three days before we left for college, I told her to marry me. Oh yeah, my dad and I, yeah, we worked things out and now we're closer than ever. Yeah, sometimes we butt heads, but that's just who we are. That's just the Hanma boys. Oh, and the pig old lady Sarah's place? Well, let's just say he's still constipated. Till next time, catch you later. Oh, the thrilling conclusion to the pig at old lady Sarah's house. Uh, Samita, thank you so much. Bringing your own clip in, just the perfect call-in guest. Uh, let, let's see if the next one can top that. Hello, hello. This is listener favorite Christian back on Baki Talkie. I think that this fight, this this at least the very beginning of it, uh, between Oliva and Baki, really symbolizes what I think doesn't work about this show. <laughs> and that's that it's a show about fighting where they show so little of the fights. They cut away to so much bullshit in this fight that you're basically just left with a couple of uh, shots from Baki and Oliva sitting there in a ball. Until, <laughs> until Oliva straight up eats Baki... <laughs> Uh, with his muscles, you're just getting weird anecdotes and awe-stricken uh, descriptions of what's happening from a bunch of prison guards. You're not actually seeing the fight, which is, I think, for the climactic fight of the season, extremely disappointing. Uh, but it does take a absolutely wild turn when Oliva, Bolova just devours Baki, absorbs him into his... Uh, spherical mass i don't know where baki went i really want to know but despite all the cutaways and weird little tangents uh, from the prison guards it's not really explained other than he's just inside of the sphere kind of being crushed and cradled by all of his muscles which given how much oliva eats and seems to enjoy eating did have me very concerned for a while. I kind of thought that he had like Kirby'd Baki. And it did make me wonder if if Oliva had Kirby's powers, what would he gain from eating Baki? And I think that the only like aside from like plot armor and like I guess martial arts, which Oliva's obviously not a master of, like Baki is. I think the main thing that he would gain as like a natural ability from Baki would be just another back muscle, which given all of his strength, obviously would be much stronger than Baki's. Uh, if he had the Hanma demon back thing, I think that he would be stronger than Yujiro because frankly, that seems to be the only thing that uh, Yujiro has on uh, Oliva is that he has this extra back muscle. 
I think if the reverse had happened and Baki had Kirby'd Oliva, that Baki would have gained either a cool purple shirt or a leopard print thong. Maybe a mustache. Fan favorite Christian, everybody. Um, I love that he brought up the purple shirt um, because this is not an uh, this is an audio medium, not visual. We don't talk about Oliver's purple shirt enough. It's so iconic on him wearing it. Like it always looks like just the shape of the shirt because it has to cover his ridiculous chest. Like it must just be a big box of purple fabric. And I don't know, I you know, Baki characters change their clothes every once in a while. Oliver's been wearing those for ages, and it's ugh, I'm so glad we were able to talk a bit more of it on this episode. Alright, next guest. Hey, Baki Taki crew, this is Philip here, long time, third time. Hey Phil, thanks for calling in from your ham radio. I just was wanting to comment a little bit on, you know, coming into the season finale of Baki Hanma. And I can't help but notice some of the parallels between another show that just wrapped up Succession. You know, I think a lot of those shows deal with these issues of familial struggle, as well as, you know, the role of the father figure in the family and the sense of the son needing to overcome the father. And I can't help but draw the parallels between, you know, this greater-than-life figures of Jiro Hanma and Logan Roy, how they really just command the room. And thinking on that last scene where we see Yujiro Hanma getting upset whether Baki can fight these creatures, which after he just defeated the strongest man in the world, he think he could fight a bear plenty. But it just makes me think of, you know, how... Those two shows try to really relate this idea of the father both being disappointed in the son and that they can't achieve the same things, but then also seeing them grow in the, in the internal conflict that really strikes both of these figures. I can't help but appreciate how these themes are kind of interwoven, not only just between mediums, but also nations and entire cultures. Anyway, I'll hang up and listen to your thoughts. Thanks. Well, thanks, Phil. Can't wait to put Succession in the uh, description. Boost my SEO a little bit uh, right in the post-finale bump. Um, yeah, I've, I haven't watched the show, but I do think that, um, you know, just as every every man thinks they want to be the strongest man in the world at some point in their life, I'm sure the same goes for being the richest man in the world. And um, I, I do agree that I think the dichotomy between Logan Roy and Eugero uh, Hanma is something that I think should be continued to look into. Um, just like Gary Stratum, I'm thinking to myself, could Eugero fight the entire company from succession? And, uh, you know, the answer is yes. But, man, wouldn't, wouldn't that be fun to see? All right, I think we got a few more callers. Oh, my gosh, so many lights. Let's uh, go with this one. So I've seen a lot of horrific things on Baki. I've seen a man have his cheeks blown out so you can see the entire inside of his mouth. I've seen someone take, pluck one of their hands and pierce a man directly in the eyeball. But I think the most unsettling thing I've seen in Baki, weirdly, is Mr. Oliver flexing his muscles across his body so it looks like they're doing the wave i don't know why but i felt it i just found it so like deeply unsettling to see like his muscles inflate and it looked like there was like a bug or something crawling underneath his skin oh and i think it was supposed to be like a fun party trick but oh i'm gonna have nightmares about that yeah, great, great point to bring up, Catherine. So um, we, we had a little interlude. So the way the sphere works is that 
even though Baki can punch the sphere, Biscuit Oliver can flex equally hard, sort of like each force has an equal and opposite reaction. Every time Baki punches the ball, the ball flexes back at him with equal force, or if not greater. Um, and that's why it doesn't go rolling around, um, which would have been amazing. Um, but to demonstrate that, we do get a scene where <laughs> Biscuit Oliver is able to flex his muscles around his body. And, um, you know, I, I think Catherine's description of it is uh, quite fair. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add, Catherine? So the other thing I want to point out is that the teacher in the police academy, when they say, and there was a man who was only 130 pounds. He is so ripped. That man is not 130 pounds. Is this what 130 pounds is in the Baki universe? That guy could be like a professional wrestler. Yeah, this dude's jacked. Um, one thing with Baki is that you have to remember that everybody's shorter than you think, um, which helps sort of explain this. Um, I don't. I agree that I think 130 is a, a bit of an understatement. Um, but another thing to realize here, throughout the episode, Baki is described as being 200 pounds lighter than Oliver. Um, Oliver, we know his precise weight, which is 330. So <laughs> that means that Baki is also an 130-pound guy. So, um, yeah, I, I agree that I think the author... If I had to guess, I think the author weighs 130 pounds, and um, that just thinks that's what everybody weighs. But uh, we'll, we'll see. All right, who's up next? Hey, Steve and Baki Talkie fans. Very happy to be back on the podcast. And uh, I'd like to talk about my favorite part of the episode 12, which was the prison guard character. Um, super cool dude, very handsome. Um, and I love the way he contributed to you know, the narrative style of the whole thing. I thought it really, it really brought an extra dimension to the episode. Um, his character is super interesting. You know, he, he acts, I think, as a sort of audience analog, um, where he, he relays information that he's been, he's seen things for the first time, and, and he's pretty amazed at the sight of these two men, uh, these two, you know, rock-hard bodies kind of fighting each other. And I love that he has, like, a slumdog millionaire-style story for, <laughs> for, like, the first half of the episode. He's like, Hey, man turned into a ball? Well, luckily, I have the exact story to explain that because he did that to me at a dinner when he flexed his muscles really good. You know, man turned into a ball and eat another man whole? Well, I have just the anecdote for that because when I was a child, I caught a bug in my hand. <laughs> um, and thank God he had the perfect, uh, you know, he has the perfect upbringing to... To, to be a character on an anime show where he's explaining things to an audience. So I'm very glad that he exists. Um, you know, he said that he was, um, that he was trained to kill uh, and shoot indiscriminately as part of his job as a police officer, which, you know, love that, uh, hearing that in 2023. And, and yeah, overall, just like really cool stand-up dude. Um, I, I would have liked the show more if he was the main character instead of Baki. Um, and since you know, that's, since that's not the case and, you know, the narrative focus, uh, switched to Baki later on. And, and by that point I was out. And, and if that was the case where he was the main character, I would have been interested in watching the entire season, but he wasn't. So I will never watch another episode of the stupid show again. Um, that being said, if you are interested in having me back on the podcast, I would love to do that. And I looked on Wikipedia and I saw the next 
season was called like the pickle saga which sounds fucking wild so i uh, would love to be back on the show if you'd like to have me uh and one more thing i wanted to mention the music i i was going to talk about the music initially but it's actually pretty cool and I, I quite liked it and there's not much to say about it apart from the the opening song which to me sounds like a japanese person doing his best impression of an american man from the south <laughs> I have no idea what the deal is with that song and that that band, but that's what it sounded like to me. I thought that was very funny. It reminded me of that. There's this one song, some Italian dude wrote it in like the 60s, and it's meant to sound like American English, but it's actually all just gibberish. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, I'm sure it's it's you know very tasteful and, and sensitively performed, um, you know, as an anime opening. So anyway, thank you for having me on the show, and I love you. Wow, that's a sign off. I think everyone should end like that. Um, don't worry, Wolf. We'll definitely have you back for the pickle saga. I'm also uh, very much looking forward to it. And that Slumdog Millionaire comparison is so apt. And not just in this episode, but almost every fight in the series has some dude who's um, having a Slumdog moment. Um, also, yeah, I forgot to, to, to highlight that. The reason that Biscuit Oliver um, is doing his weird bug flexing is to show off to the guards. But he also d- just says that they he had drank a lot of wine that day, so he was just sort of feeling in a silly, goofy mood. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's see what the next caller has to say. I just want to say a great, great episode of, uh, of Baki possibly one of my favorite um i'm going to just talk about the prison guard who is narrating this entire thing um because he is a standout character that i did not know i needed basically all the fight fighting actions going on and this guy who looks like a thumb who looks like the spy kids thumb people is just narrating and explaining how joints work um the entire time and um how uh, attacks are made. One of my funny, one of the funniest things that he said, he goes into a flashback about he he saw a dragonfly and thought it was really cool, so caught it in his hand and ran home so that he could look at it more. Um, and when he gets home, it's all crumpled up and probably dead because he was running with it in his hand. And he says, "It's then that I understood how awful it is or stressful it is." For something to be enclosed and the guy is a prison guard i mean what <laughs> he was sad he was sad that this thing got... and then he went on to become a prison guard i don't know he took the wrong message from whatever he discovered there um and there's also a great bit where his police sergeant tells him uh that he he says this police sergeant who's about 130 pounds could break a bowling ball by turning his hand into essentially a steel ball because of stiff body technique or something. He says it in a flashback, and then his flashback has the sergeant saying, I'm practically 130 pounds, and I can turn, I can break a bowling ball because I can turn my hand into a steel ball. <laughs> Just This guy is, has had weird life experiences, I would say. Um, 
And just the last thing that I thought was particularly hilarious is that Baki Baki gets out of prison, right? He 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 beats Oliver and Oliver to remain on top. Um, is uh, says essentially, you have to leave so I can be number one, and he sends him off. But he's biking. He's biking through the Arizona desert to get to the airport. I think in a hoodie. That's impossible. Like that is not. <laughs> that would kill a man. But I guess it wouldn't kill Baki. What a great season. Yeah, I don't know why he's wearing the hoodie. He's going for the Rocky look. But, like, yeah, Arizona's pretty hot. Um, I like to think that the stupid road Baki was building, like, outside of the prison is a new express route to the airport. But who knows? Um, also, Jack, just such kudos. that The observation about confinement and then becoming a police officer uh, kills me. All right. Oh, still got a few. Wow, these collies have been on the line for a while. They they waited through me just talking about uh, podcasts I like. They must really want to say stuff. So let let's let's jump into one of our final guests. Oh, hello there, Stephen. Long time no see. Oh, hello, Lindsay, my wife, and also Johnny, our dog, pitter pattering in the background. Glad for you to call in. And hello, Baki Taki fans and friends of the pod. I don't know what we're calling everyone anymore. Um. Hey, so I just watched the episode. Uh, there was a lot going on. Um, but there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. So um, I've had a unique experience with this show because although I don't particularly enjoy cartoon violence type, anime violence, whatever you want to call it, um, I have obviously watched pieces of it with Steve and I've seen the journey over the last three seasons of fan favorite Oliva and the main character, Baki. And so getting to this point of them fighting um, is an interesting place to be because what do you do as a writer? And I think how they ended it was very Baki. They basically ended it with, you know, let's stop all these tricks. We're both some of the strongest people in the world. We're just literally gonna punch each other they have a great shot of Baki and Oliver rock'em sock'em robot style going punch for punch and then Oliver just being pushed over and I think he was out for like a minute um and then you know they've they talked in it about how no referee could dare to stop them Baki said I'm gonna keep going forever um but in the end the person who kind of stops the fight and declares that Baki won is um, Maria, who people might remember as Oliva's girlfriend. She just shows up having... First, she looked at a flower that was dying in her room and said, it's almost done or something, which was very dramatic. And then we watched the fight, which had a lot of symbolism of America and, and Baki destroying America. And I literally made the joke to Steve. I said, apparently in America... You don't have to be stronger than the other guy. You just have to be strong enough to carry your obese wife back to her room. <laughs> Which, um, in the end, was Oliver's way of winning. He, he got the girl. <laughs> so, yay for him. Thank you for calling in, my beautiful wife. 
Um, Lindsay touched upon the idea of, um, we talked a lot about America in this episode, so I just wanted to rapid fire some things that uh, nobody called in about, but I just... I just died. Um, yeah, America does come up a lot in this. The flag is, like, waving over a lot of the shots. Like, Baki is not just beating Biscuit Oliver. He is defeating America. America's strongest man. But, like, there's a point in the fight where all of the guards have to turn away because they can't look. And you just see these prison guards sadly turned around. Like, their backs to the fight. They, it's overwhelming to them. Um, and the American flag fl- <laughs> fluttering in the background. Um, this is the biggest loss in American history. Second thing, second thing. Um, at one point during the fight, thousands of vultures de- descend onto the prison. Why? Is it because they're just they think that somebody's gonna die that has so much muscles? I don't know. It's it's like cool symbolism like you know it's got to be something impressive to get that many vultures but uh yeah i don't know (laughs) oh sorry i I went on a big tangent Lindsay, were you done sorry say the rest of your piece hey so i wanted to talk about the actual last scene um or scenes i guess depending on how you put it um Samita very accurately described the last part of Baki and his story. But um, then we have this really ridiculously random scene of Colonel What's-His-Face and Yujiro walking around maybe a museum, I would assume. At one point, it literally looked like the old man from Atlantis's house because there was just giant fish that didn't seem real. They're just talking in front of it. But the whole scene was literally the guy saying, oh, Baki, Baki's stronger than we thought. And they seem like buds. But then Yujiro just keeps going, shut up, you talk too much. And then the guy keeps talking and he goes, maybe I'll shut you up. And the guy's like, oh, don't be offended. And I'm like, Steve made the point, why did they even show up to this place to talk? Like, did they just, did Yujiro just want to walk around quietly? Unclear. Anyways, so then the guy keeps asking Yujiro, if he thinks him or his son Baki could could fight different prehistoric animals, and then he starts asking about dinosaurs, and then in the end it's the big T Rex, and Yujiro's all like, huh, "Yeah," and and then we cut to them finding Pickle, which is the next uh, season. Um, apparently, Pickle is not a caveman, because as we were listening, he's a hundred and ninety million years old. So Pickle is literally from the time of the dinosaurs. So to me, that implies he's not human, because I don't think we were around then. But anyways, that's just how they left things, with a pickle and a dinosaur being discovered in a, a ice chunk or something. And uh, yeah, so we're ready for July. Go Baki. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right, see you soon. All right, we got one more caller on the line. Let's, uh, let's buzz them in. This is Ryan on episode 12 of Baki Hanma. What can I say about this episode? A lot happened here. Um, but I think the thing that stood out to me the most was the pseudoscience that was going on to explain some of the fighting styles that came up in the first, I'd say first half of the episode. First off, who made this random guard the narrator all of a sudden and 
How is he suddenly an expert on all things martial arts? This guy's been around the block once or twice. He's able to explain Oliver's armadillo-style spherical fighting stance, explains that no matter what Baki tries, he'll be able to deflect his blows by concentrating his muscle mass and his energy into the exact spot that Baki hits it. They even had diagrams and infographics in there. I was pretty impressed. It almost got me, like, believing that this could actually be true. Of course, I say that as a layperson. Watch it actually have some sort of truth to it, and I just don't know it. But really, that's the thing that stuck out to me the most this episode. Well, Ryan, of course, I think you're familiar with Newton and his laws of thermodynamics, um, the lesser-known fourth one, of course. Um, any force applied to the ball of muscle will be uh, equally met with the uh, opposite uh, force from the ball of muscle. Um, some people shorten it to the three rules of thermodynamics, but um, am I even thinking of the same thing? Well, whatever. I'm a radio co-host. Co-host? Radio host. Oh boy, I am done. This is the end of the season. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Um, I this has been an absolute blast, and it, this this is a special episode milestone. Um, this was the furthest that the show was um, when I started this podcast, and for a long time I thought this was potentially as far as we'd get for a long time. So uh, thank you so much to everybody for listening and making it all the way through this. And uh, I'll see you guys all in July. And uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll find out uh, what the Pickles Saga really is all about. So that's all the Baki Hanma that we've got to Taki Hanma. I'll see you all next week in July. And of course, a huge thanks to every guest who was a part of this and who wasn't, who has made this show possible. Biggest of ups. Friday.